Look at chapter 14, verse 1. Now Joab, the son of Zeruah, perceived that the king's heart was toward Absalom. And Joab sent that the Koah fetched thence a wise woman, said unto her, I pray thee, feign thyself to be a mourner, and put on now mourning apparel, and anoint not thyself with oil, but be as a woman that had a long time mourned for the dead. Come to the king, and speak on this manner unto him. So Joab put the words in her mouth. And she came in, and she said, Help, O king. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, I am indeed a widow woman. Mine husband is dead. And thy handmaid had two sons, and they two strove together in the field. There was none to part them, but the one smote the other and slew him. And behold, the whole family is risen against thine handmaid. And they said, Deliver him that smote his brother, that we may kill him for the life of his brother whom he slew, and we'll destroy the air also. And so they shall quench my coal which is left, and shall not leave to my husband neither name nor reminder. You see what she's doing? She's playing upon the feelings of the king again. David was greatly deceived, you see. Just as he had used deception, that's being used now. And the woman said, verse 13, I'm dropping down in this incident, Hast thou thought such a thing against the people of God for the king to speak this thing as one which is fault in that the king doth not fetch home his banish? You see, again, David could see in the life of another what should be done, but not in his own life. Verse 14, For we must needs die, and are as water spilt on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. This woman is wrong, by the way, in that. And so... Finally, after this incident, David now, in a half-hearted way, is willing for Absalom to return. And we read in verse 21, And the king said unto Joab, Behold now, I have done this thing. Go therefore, bring the young man Absalom again. Joab fell to the ground on his face, bowed himself, and thanked the king. And Joab said, Today thy servant knoweth that I found grace in thy sight. My Lord, O king, in that the king hath fulfilled the request of his servant. So Joab arose, went to Geshen, brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, Let him turn to his own house. Let him not see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house and saw not the king's face. Now, this is unfortunate. This actually set the stage for Absalom's rebellion that we're going to see in the next chapter. And Absalom was a bad boy, but he was a good politician. And he was very clever and very crooked. He was very subtle and very slight. He had a good personality, friendly, extrovert. He was very much like David, as we've said. I think he was the best little handshaker in the kingdom. He was, I think, outstanding in patting people on the back. And he took his station at the busiest gate of the city. And men with complaints came up to the city, required justice, no judges to hear their cause. But Absalom was there to hear them, to comfort and to agree with them. And he failed, though, to represent his father. He didn't defend the crown. And he began to plot the overthrow of David. But it all goes back to the fact that David would not give him a wholehearted forgiveness And let me say this now as we come to the conclusion of the message today. That's not the way God forgave David. God didn't forgive him half-heartedly. 
God didn't say, well, I forgive him, but he's not going to have fellowship with me anymore. I'll not restore unto him the joy of his salvation. When God forgives, God forgives. And we are told, be ye tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. Now, has God forgiven us? Yes. And how are we to forgive? Same way. David should have forgiven him. He's setting the stage now for the rebellion that we're going to see next time when we get to the 15th chapter. Oh, my friend, today, our God is a God who forgives. And we're told that if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Now, the way fundamentalists do it, and I'm one of them, is to get a club, beat a fellow over the head. We're reluctant to forgive. And we can be very mean at times and very unlovely. And we can be very critical at times. And there are times when the truth should be spoken. But my friend, when forgiveness is asked for, it should be extended. And David made a blunder here in not forgiving Absalom. He lived to regret it. Now, if you have your Bible turned to Second Samuel, the 15th chapter, that's where we're beginning today. David, after committing that terrible sin, that trouble came to him, and it came thick and fast. The same way he had sinned, why sin came into his own family. And he's not through with it by any means. This man, God took him to the woodshed. And we find here in the 15th chapter that Absalom leads a rebellion against David. And now Absalom, in a very subtle way, he begins to steal the hearts of the children of Israel. And he was a very attractive young fellow. He was very much like his father David in many, many ways. And he was the heir apparent to the throne anyway, successor to David. And we find that now why he begins to move very secretly. And he secretly plotted to overthrow David. It was a dastardly deed. But chickens are coming home to roost for David. And actually a revolution broke out. And it was very formidable. It caused David to have to flee from Jerusalem. Now, will you notice here what took place? I'm reading chapter 15, verse 1. It came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and fifty men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early, stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. 
May I say he's a true politician, is he not? That is the way today that great many men get elected to office. They have no qualification other than that they have the qualification of going out, shaking hands, backslapping. And very frankly, that's where a great many preachers get by today, is that method. They can't preach, they can't teach, but they sure can slap back. And unfortunately, you and I, that is what appeals to us. And as far as I can tell from the Word of God, that's the way Antichrist will come to power. He's going to be the greatest little backslapper that the world has ever seen. Now, Absalom was good at that. He stood in the gate, and he said, Oh, if I was only a judge here, you'd get justice. Well, you can understand the appeal that that would make. If you vote me in office, I'll solve all the problems. I'll be able to solve all the foreign affairs and all the domestic affairs. That's what the politicians tell us. And unfortunately, you and I listen to them and we vote for them, and then they don't do it, of course. Now, Absalom is preparing here for a rebellion, of course, against his own father, David. Here's rebellion in the house of David. It's a terrible thing. Now, it came to pass... After forty years, that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. Absalom sends a message in to the king that he wants to go to Hebron. For thy servant vowed a vow while I abode at Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I'll serve the Lord. That's an unusual thing. He wants to go pay a vow in Hebron, Syria's to the north. That's where he went. And the king said unto him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Now notice what he did. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. Now, you will recall that's where David began, was in Hebron. He was king there first. Absalom goes down there and begins his rebellion, you see. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called. And they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. In other words, these 200 men came along but they did not know that rebellion was prepared against David. Now, in verse 12, And Absalom sent to Ahithophel the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices, and the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. Now, you see, this is a rebellion that gained momentum, it snowballed as it went along. And there are great company, and actually Ahithophel was in the inner councils of David, and he was a partner to all of this. And so we find that before David actually realizes what's happened, why there is this rebellion. Now David does a very strange thing. There came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. That's verse 13. 
And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly, and bring evil upon us, and smite the city with the edge of the sword. Now David is going to flee from Jerusalem, and the question arises, why did he flee? Because David loved the city of Jerusalem. And why did he not take a stand in this city? Well, the very interesting thing is, I'm confident that David knew God was punishing him for his sin. And when I say, I know that he knew it, well, we're told that, by the way. If you go over to the 15th chapter, down as far as the 25th verse, you will hear David say, The king said unto Zadok, Carry back the ark of God unto the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he'll bring me again and show me both it and the habitation. But if he thus say, I have no delight in thee, behold, here am I. Let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. In other words, David knew what was happening to him was a judgment that was coming from God. And then, do you recall that David, back in the 13th chapter, that at that particular time, verses 13 and 14, we are told that, And I, whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he'll not withhold me from thee. How be it? He would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she forced her and lay with her. David was disgraced, you see, and that was an awful thing. David wanted to spare life in the city. This scandal had taken place there. And then you will recall he had stayed in Jerusalem when he should have been out with his army at the time of the great sin of Bathsheba when he should have been out fighting. He stayed yet in Jerusalem. He's leaving it now because he knew God was punishing him. And then David loved Jerusalem. He did not want to see the city he built and loved become the scene of battle. And you will find that that is the thing that he says. David went up, verse 30 of this chapter, David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet, and wept as he went up, and had his head covered. And he went barefoot, and all the people that was with him covered every man his head. And they went up weeping as they went up. This is the thing that David wanted to do, was to spare the city. He didn't want it to become a scene of battle. And yet this city was to be destroyed more than any other city because of its rebellion and sin. There's another reason. David was not ready to press the issue with Absalom. Actually, he wanted to spare the life of Absalom. And you'll find out that when we get to the next chapter that it was in his heart to spare the life of this boy. And he said to the captains, remember my boy Absalom, see that no harm comes to him. And he really wanted to spare the life of the boy. He loved him. I think he loved him above every other person on this earth. And David, therefore, 
he now leaves Jerusalem. Now his life is in grave danger. And that's something that's not new to David. Actually, he was more concerned about his own relationship to God and his relationship with Absalom. And Absalom had two counselors that he had taken, uh, Hithophel, who betrayed David, and Hushai, that we'll see about later. David wanted to lead his army to battle, we'll find out. They just won't let him go into battle. Now, with that kind of a background, let's look at this rebellion that is taking place. And David now is leaving Jerusalem. And as he went out into the country, we find that he wept. And there's an incident that takes place I'd like to call your attention to here. Let me drop down to verse 19. Then said the king to Ittai the Gittite, Wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger and also an exile. Whereas thou camest but yesterday, should I this day make thee go up and down with us, seeing I go whither I may. Return thou and take back thy brethren. Mercy and truth be with thee. You see, this man that had come into the city, he told him not to follow him. And Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, and as my lord the king liveth, surely in what place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. And David said to Ittai, Go and pass over. And Ittai the Gittite passed over, and all his men and all the little ones that were with him. David had many loyal followers, you see, many that were willing to lay down their life for him. And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people passed over. The king also himself passed over the brook Kidron, and all the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. And lo, Zadok also and all the Levites were with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God, and Abiathar went up unto all the people had done passing out of the city. And the king said unto Zadok, Carry back the ark of God unto the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he'll bring me again and show me both it. You see, David recognized what was happening to him was a judgment of God. He sends the ark back now. And we're told that when David went out, he went out weeping over the Mount of Olives. And verse 31, And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And God did just that. But you notice he asked for no judgment upon Absalom. Verse 32, It came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mount where he worshipped God, behold, Hushai, the archite, came to meet him with his coat rent and earth upon his head, under whom David said, If thou passest on with me, then thou shalt be a burden unto me. But if thou return to the city, say unto Absalom, I'll be thy servant, O king, as I have been thy father's servant hitherto, so will I now also be thy servant. Then mayest thou for me defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. We find verse 37, So Hushai, David's friend, came into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. Now, chapter 16 here, And when David was a little past the top of the hill, 
Behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of asses saddle, and upon them two hundred loaves of bread, a hundred bunches of raisins, and a hundred of summer fruits, and a bottle of wine. And the king said unto Ziba, What meanest thou by these? And Ziba said that this is a gift from Mephibosheth because of his wonderful treatment, you know, that David had gave unto him. Now we come to another man who betrayed David. And when King David came to Bahurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. He cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Well, what he's saying is true, that he was a bloody man, and that judgment was coming upon him, and no question about that. But this man is cursing David, of course. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And I tell you, this captain of David, he was for absolutely silencing this man. Now notice David's reaction now. And the king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zeruah? So let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai, to all his servants, Behold my son, which came forth of my being, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone, let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. The point is this. David said, I don't mind this outsider cursing me. I don't want to take revenge on him. The thing that's happening to me is a judgment of God. The thing that disturbs me is my own boy, my own son, Absalom, that's leading this rebellion against me. And now we see Absalom taking Jerusalem. And Absalom and all the people of the men of Israel came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel with him. came to pass when Hushai the archite David's friend was come unto Absalom, that Hushai said to Absalom, God save the king, God save the king. And Absalom said to Hushai, Is this thy kindness to thy friend? Why winnest thou not with thy friend? And Hushai said to Absalom, Nay, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his will I be, and with him will I abide. And again, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, Give counsel among you what we shall do. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go in unto thy father's concubines, which he hath left, to keep the house, and all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house. Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, 
was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. This was a man David had trusted, you see. Now we find that David is outside, back out in the dens and the caves of the earth. What is he going to do? Well, we're going to find that Absalom is going to try, actually, to get a victory over David's forces. And David was an old veteran. Remember, he knew how to fight. Absalom's doing a very dangerous thing to go against his father. And David actually wanted to save Absalom. You'll find that how he loved him. And then we're going to see next time what really happened to Absalom. These are difficult days for David. I'm sure by now your heart goes out in sympathy to this man. But this man's not whimpering or crying aloud. He just says, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God, and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Just so I know things are right with God, I'll bear these burdens that come upon me. David's a great man, friends. It's awful he committed that sin, but he's like a wonderful piece of statuary that just has one flaw in it. And that's the way a great many Christians are today. Did you ever meet one that didn't have a flaw? Well, we all, I think, have a flaw in our lives. Thank God he'll not throw us overboard. Now, friends, we come today to the 17th chapter of Second Samuel. You have your Bible, and we'll turn there. And also, if you have our notes and outlines, you'll find them extremely helpful as we move along through this particular section of the Word of God. Now, we find that in this section here, we're following the different experiences in the life of David. We saw, first of all, the triumphs of David. And now we've been discussing the troubles of David, and he's really in trouble right now. His own son, the boy that I think he loved above everything else in this world, has rebelled against him. In fact, he is leading a rebellion in the kingdom against him. And this is something that, very frankly, was a heartbreak to him. And David withdrew from Jerusalem because he didn't want it to become a scene of battle and the city destroyed in a battle. So he withdrew. He sent Hushai back to join with Absalom so that he might give him wise counsel. Now, Ahithophel, who had also been an advisor of David, he has gone over to Absalom. And now we find Ahithophel and Hushai giving different counsel. In fact, they are giving contradictory counsel to Absalom relative to the fact whether he should attack his father David at that particular time. Now, here was the suggestion of Ahithophel. And I'm reading chapter 17, verse 1. Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Let me now choose out twelve thousand men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night. And I will come upon him while he's weary and weak-handed, and will make him afraid. And all the people that are with him shall flee, and I will smite the king only. In other words, 
If David could be destroyed, that would break the rebellion, and immediately Absalom would be made king. And the advice he's giving is a terrible thing, of course. And he says, And I will bring back all the people unto thee. The man whom thou seekest is as if all return, so all the people shall be in peace. And the saying pleased Absalom well, and all the elders of Israel, so that now even Absalom agrees to this. Then said Absalom, Call now Hushai the archite also, and let us hear likewise what he saith. And when Hushai was come to Absalom, Absalom spake unto him, saying, Ahithophel hath spoken after this manner. Shall we do after his saying? If not, speak thou. Now, it's a good thing Hushai was there, because he gave a different procedure altogether, and his strategy was different. And he gave to Absalom some very good advice, and it's unfortunate Absalom didn't follow it through. And here it is, verse 7, And Hushai said unto Absalom, The counsel that Ahithophel hath given is not good at this time. For, said Hushai, Thou knowest thy father and his men, that they be mighty men, and they be chafed in their minds, as a bear robbed of her whelps in the field, and thy father is a man of war, and will not lodge with the people." Behold, he's hid now in some pit or in some other place. And it will come to pass when some of them be overthrown at the first, that whosoever heareth it will say, There is a slaughter among the people that follow Absalom. Now, actually, he's giving very good advice, but it's for the benefit of David, of course. And the advice is just simply this. He says, You must recognize Absalom, that you are not a man of war. And those that are with you are not men of war. Your father is a man of war. He is acquainted with the field. He's a veteran. He's rugged. And he has the mighty man with him. And after all, you've driven him out of Jerusalem. They're chafed by this. They are licking their wounds right now. And it's the same position that a bear that's robbed of her whelps, the little bears that... Mama bear is really going to fight and will become twice as dangerous as she'd be otherwise. And that's the way David is now. You'd be very foolish to attempt to attack him and then to begin. Suppose you did attack him. David has been pursued before. Saul pursued him. And he learned how to escape and evade Saul. And he wouldn't be among the people. He'd know where to hide. He'd know how to escape. So you'd be very foolish to try to take him. And if you did, suppose you went into the house and you didn't get David. Well, they'd circulate word immediately that you were losing the battle. And you'd find the people that temporarily have come over on your side wouldn't stay with you. Well, that was very good advice that is given to him. He says, verse 11, Therefore I counsel that all Israel be generally gathered unto thee from Dan even to Beersheba, as the sand that is by the sea for multitude, and that thou go to battle in thine own person. So shall we come upon him in some place where he shall be found, and we will light upon him as the dew falleth on the ground. And of him and of all the men that are with him, there shall not be left so much as one. 
Now, he says the important thing is, you are not prepared yourself to go into battle. Now, Hithophel is not prepared. Taking a few thousand men won't overcome David. Now, what you need to do is to gather Israel together. And you get prepared for this. And then when you're prepared, then you lead the forces into battle. If you are going to be the king, well, you'd have to do that. Remember, that's the way your father really came to the throne. He was, first of all, a great general. And this is the advice that Ahushai gives. Now, actually, it was good advice, but it was not for the benefit of Absalom. It was for the benefit of David. It would give David also time to more or less reconnoiter. And so we find that Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai, the archite, is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. So that Absalom felt like the advice was much better. And candidly, friend, it was better advice. But it would be for the benefit of David in the long run. Now, there was that period in which they attempted to get together the nation and unite the people under Absalom. And we are told in verse 26, So Israel and Absalom pitched in the land of Gilead. Now they're coming after David, you see. They have gotten together as many as they possibly can. And we find that David was fleeing. And this seems to have been the entire life of David, that he spent his time running from somebody. And here it's because of his own sin, of course. Now, verse 27, it came to pass when David was come to Maenaim, that Shobi, the son of Nahash, of Rabbah, of the children of Ammon, and Maker, the son of Amiel, of Lodabar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite, of Rogelim, brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse and honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kind for David and the people that were with him to eat. For they said, the people is hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Now, David actually was in a very difficult position here. He'd had to flee without any preparation whatsoever. Now, he finds that he's got many allies in people that are round about because they knew David now and they knew what a warrior he was and I'm of the opinion that these rulers of the kingdoms round about had very little confidence in Absalom. Absalom was deceitful. He was tricky. He would not be dependable. And none of them would have confidence in him. But they did have confidence in David, of course. Now we find that by this time, David's men are able to get supplies now because of the help of the allies. Then they can get ready for the battle. And Israel now, under Absalom, they come to the land of Gilead. Now notice in chapter 18, we have the people here now just won't let David go into battle. David wanted to. Here we have chapter 18, verse 1, and I'm reading. David numbered the people that were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. 
And David sent forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab, and a third part under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zeruah, Joab's brother, and a third part under the hand of Ittai the Gittite. And the king said unto the people, I will surely go forth with you myself also. But the people answered, Thou shalt not go forth, for if we flee away, they'll not care for us. Neither if half of us die will they care for us. But now thou art worth ten thousand of us, therefore now it's better that thou succor us out of the city. In other words, you can help us by not going to battle, but by staying here. That is the decision, actually, that the army made at that particular time. They will refuse to let David go into battle. Now, we find here David's tender love for this boy of his, his son. And I think we're coming now to one of the saddest chapters in the life of David. The chapter of David's sin is the sorriest, sordidest chapter. But this is the saddest chapter in the life of David, the death of his son Absalom. Notice the tender love that he had for this boy. And I'm reading now verse 4. And the king said unto them, What seemeth you best, I'll do. And the king stood by the gate side, and all the people came out by hundreds, by thousands. Now David, they urge him not to go into battle. So David takes his place at the side of the gate. And now the army marches out. They march out under three leaders. There's Joab, Abishai, and Ittai. Now, as each one of these commanders came by, this is what David said, verse 5, And the king commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. All the people heard this, and I think they all smiled. And I think that some of them, though, were just a little bit resentful. They felt like they'd like to get rid of that boy Absalom. I think he'd always been a troublemaker. And now they'd like to eliminate him. But notice, he's David's son. He's very much like David. David loves him. David wanted to save him. (laughs) David didn't want him to die at all. And he said, deal gently with my boy, my son Absalom, that young man. And all the people heard that. So the people went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was in the wood of Ephraim, where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David, and there was their great slaughter that day of 20,000 men. It was a terrible thing. It was a civil war. We've had one in this country of ours, and we know something about a civil war. And this was civil war. And it was sad. It's too bad that it had to be. But this boy Absalom had led the rebellion against David. Now, he didn't recognize that David is a veteran. David is a strategist. David is a general. And he didn't have anybody in his group that could match David. And certainly these three captains under David. And therefore, the children of Israel lost. For the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country. 
And the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. In other words, they're in these woods, and as they're tempted to flee, they find that they're bottled in, and the wood actually, I think, caused more of them to die than the sword did. It was because of the fact that they picked the wrong place for the battle with David. Now, verse 9, "...and Absalom met the servants of David." And Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. And a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hang in an oak. Now, apparently, this boy's head got caught in the forks of a tree as he was fleeing, by the way. And when his head got caught, the mule just went right off him and under him and left him in quite a predicament there. And under other circumstances, this could be rather humorous, but it certainly is not here. Now we are told, verse 11, And Joab said unto the man that told him, And behold, thou sawest him, and why didst thou not smite him there to the ground? And I would have given thee ten shekels of silver." And a girdle. And the man said unto Joab, This man is shocked that Joab would want that boy who was a prince, a son of David, want him killed. He says, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son? For in our hearing the king charged thee. And Abishai and Ittai saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise, I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life. For there is no matter hid from the king, and thou thyself wouldest have set thyself against me. Why, well, he said, you would have punished me had I done that. Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. Joab says, I won't argue with you. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom, while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And the young man that bare Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. Joab blew the trumpet. The people returned from pursuing after Israel, for Joab held back the people. When Absalom was dead, of course, the rebellion was over. And that was what Joab, I think, wanted. I think he was very tired of this boy. He had no right to do what he did, especially after... David had given the commandment that he did, but you can see that he's just tired of putting up with him, and he knows this will end the rebellion. Now, word is brought to David, and here is one of the most touching scenes. And here is where you feel like saying to the Lord, Lord, you whipped him enough now because of his sin. Let up on the boy. Let up on your son David because you whipped him enough. David is sitting now in the gate, waiting for word to be brought to him. Then said Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, Let me now run and bear the king tidings, how that the Lord hath avenged him of his enemies. Joab said unto him, Thou shalt not bear tidings this day, but thou shalt bear tidings another day. But this day thou shalt bear no tidings, because the king's son is dead. Then said Joab to Cushai, Go tell the king what thou hast seen. Cushai bowed himself to Joab, and he ran. Then said Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, 
yet again to Joab. But howsoever let me, I pray thee, also run after Cushai. And Joab said, Wherefore wilt thou run, my son, seeing that thou hast no tidings ready? See, he hasn't all of the information. He hasn't the information that the battle is won and the fact that the son of David's been slain. And howsoever said he, let me run. He said unto him, run. Then Ahimaaz ran by way of the plain and overran Cushai. And David sat between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate and the wall and lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, a man running alone. The watchman cried and told the king, and the king said, If he be alone, there's tidings in his mouth. And he came apace and drew near, and the watchman saw another man running. And the watchman called unto the porter and said, Behold, another man running alone. And the king said, He also bringeth tidings. And the watchman said, Methinketh the running of the foremost is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He's a good man and cometh with good tidings. And Ahimaaz called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which hath delivered up the man that lifted up their hand against my Lord the king. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And that's all that David is interested in. And Ahim has answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. See, he didn't know that Absalom was dead. And the king said, Turn aside and stand there. He turned aside and stood still. And friends, there are many messengers running today telling the human family from God that all is well. All is not well. Man is a sinner. Man needs a Savior. Man needs to know that the Son of God died on the cross for him. That's the message. And this boy didn't have the message. Now, behold, Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my lord, the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. You see, the thing that David's interested in, not winning the battle, but what about Absalom? Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord, the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. That is, he's telling him gently he's dead. And the king was much moved, went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went thus, he said, and here's the most touching expression of grief there is in the Bible or out of it, friends. Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would God I died for thee. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. 